Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. And grab your cup of coffee or tea, sit back and let's chat about what is happening. Today, we're not talking about necessarily what's happening up in the stars. As you can see, I have someone sitting with me this morning. I would love to introduce you to Heather Scott, author of the book Gentle With You. And I know there's a subtitle, Heather. Now I've lost it. What is the subtitle of your book? Something about connecting self-care and parenting. Yeah. I apologize for that. Um, welcome. It's good to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Janet. I, I just love talking about this topic. So I'm so excited to share. I think it's a really interesting and timely topic. As you know, Heather, that most of the time, what I'm doing here on the broadcast is we're talking about astrology. And it was in this context, actually, that uh, your writing this book really came into my awareness as something that was timely and ready to be shared with people. Uh, and mostly that's because there's been the planet Venus in the sign of Capricorn, but also in retrograde, which just means if you don't understand that, it's just that she's moving slowly. And what she's really focusing us on is this idea of living according to our values being in alignment with them, and then also being um, aware of what our own personal value is. And of course, there's also financial considerations and relationship considerations here. So when you popped in that one morning, uh, just as a, a listener to the morning show, I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. So before we get into what the book is all about, would you just give us you know, a few minutes about who you are and uh, your background, etc.? Sure thing. Um, so my name is Heather Scott. I'm currently living in Western Canada. I have two sons who are, well, nearly grown, not launched because we have such strange times right now. So hmm. they, they, they might have launched, but now, you know, there's a little bit of extended nest uh, for them. And I have a, I have a background in, I have an education degree. I have a coaching certification with a specialty in uh, parent as coach. So it's just a different take on the whole coaching model, which is just to ask questions and to create space for kids to share with you. And I've worked in the private industry. I've worked in um, academia and yeah, I'm currently quite happy to be focused on something that really aligns with my values. So when you were sharing that, I, I was really present to um, how happy I am to, to do a take stock like I did at the beginning of January and realize that I'm moving more toward living aligned with the values that I hold. So. That's awesome. It's a big theme that's going on. That's for sure. It is. And yeah. it, it seems like it's time. It does. And what I always find interesting is that obviously this book wasn't written while Venus was in Capricorn or even on this uh, this journey that she's taking us on. So likely you were tapped into something. Can you give us an idea of why you wrote the book and why you did it when you did it? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, out of challenges, sometimes nice things arise. So I had a family member who was very ill and sadly died uh, about three years ago. And then uh, my one son went through a number of challenges. And <laughs> any parent listening can understand that 
gosh, you love them. And gosh, there were a lot of challenges. And it was just one thing and one thing and one thing. And after I came through that 10, 11 months of really intense having to check in with myself, having to really dig deep for showing up for my son, showing up for me. I was dealing with some health concerns and then everything kind of settled. You know how you, well, obviously with, with astrology, it's, it's like you move through and I kind of came up the other side and I ended up being at a conference about two weeks after all of this settled. I found out that my health was in order. Uh, my son was on track a bit, you know, back on track. And so yeah, on track, off track, you know, it, it fluctuates. And, and I happened to be at a conference and I met this person who was a publisher and I, he was talking about writing books. And so I just chatted with him briefly and said a few things about, oh, actually what I said to him was, my sons are going through puberty right now and I'm beginning the change at the other side of, of that. So perimenopause, menopause. And I said, given the number of hormones in our household, it's amazing everyone's still alive. It's <laughs> amazing we haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> so that's where it came from. It, it began with, oh, oh. So then I watched that how I had begun caring for myself had really prepped me for showing up for my son. If I hadn't already been taking care of my own stuff, I don't know how things would have gone during that second challenge. And, you know, this is a challenging time that we're all in and it has been for the last, you know, several years and whether it's because of outside circumstances pressuring us or uh, in inside circumstances that are pressuring us, meaning inside our families or in our community or in our work. Um, so I really think that this is a timely subject. And when I was reading the opening chapter of the book, um, there's a great little story about something that pulled you up short that I think all parents can actually relate to. And it was the the son that wanted to go to A&W and have a hamburger for dinner. Tell us a little bit about that and yeah. what realization you had in that moment. Well, the story goes that I was making dinner and I was a single mom when my kids were very young. So I just, you know, you just adjust, you just, you balance things, you make do, you figure it out. And so I was making dinner and my son was complaining and wanted to go to, to out for, out for dinner. He wanted to get a hamburger and I was ignoring him because I thought, what an ungrateful little kid. <laughs> I'm cooking dinner for you. I just worked a full day and I'm trying to get dinner on the table. And I was ignoring him. And I had just done some personal development work um, and and one of my commitments was that I listened to my kids and I realized that I was quite effectively ignoring him and that didn't seem right. So I got present to that. I put down my stuff. I went into the other room. I sat down at the dining room table, asked him to join me and asked about, you know, okay, I'm, I'm ready to listen. And as soon as I gave him that moment and that pause, he burst into tears. He was about 10 at the time. And he was crying and I was a bit surprised because I had had him as sort of a bratty little kid. And now all of a sudden he was hurt and sad and I didn't, I was kind of shocked. So I listened to his story. We went onto the couch and I listened to his story and he told a story that 
I think everyone can relate to where it's just one thing after another in a day. And all of that got out. And then I said to him, you know, I'm not always going to agree, but A&W is literally 10 blocks from my house. So I said, do you want, you know, do you want a hamburger? And he said, yes, shockingly. <laughs> and so we hopped in the car, he got a hamburger and, you know, I thought, oh, if, if the hamburger is helping with that day, I mean, if, if I were an adult and I had that day, I might want a hamburger too. So I made that happen. And on our way back, I said, well, you told me everything that really, really sucked today. And what, what was something good that happened? And he said, well, you listened to me. And I was driving and I remember thinking, oh, and I turned and, and then I felt instantly guilty because I thought, cheapers, I thought I'd listen to you quite often. And so I said that. I said, well, do I normally not listen to you? Like, I thought I did. And he said, yeah, you usually do, but today was different. And so I was really present in that moment that it was a beautiful moment for me to get awareness that how I show up for my kids, how when I take care of my own self, when I'm clear on my values, then I can really show up for them in the way that, you know, now when I look back, I mean, everybody has regrets about how they handled something with parenting, goodness. But when I look back and I can think, oh, I chose a bit more often to align with what I really care about and to show love and to show patience. And so, so yeah, that, that happened. And I was, it's, it's interesting because as soon as I, talked to the fellow about writing the book that was the first story that came to me and it's a great story I mean it's a great story because so many times you know being I had four kids you had two and a you know full-time job and sometimes you just get into this role of doing and uh just to get through the doing of the day right I mean laundry doesn't stop your kids still need to eat you still have to get ready for the next day and seemingly then that leaves us very little time for uh, anybody else. But also the one thing that gets put on the back burner often is ourselves. And I think to the point of your book, that's what we are working through. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the way that I've experienced it, and that's the other thing about the book, it's my experience sharing and asking mm -hmm. a few questions for people to contemplate. In my experience, the more I took care of so for instance, I used to always say to the kids, okay, we need to be ready to go in the morning, you know, get your, get your backpacks, let's find your shoes, you know, let's get in the car, let's be on time. And I would say that a lot, and then I wouldn't be ready. <laughs> <laughs> so what I started doing was just modeling what I wanted them to do, which is go get ready. And so I'd go and take care of my stuff. And I'd say, well, you need to go and do this, I'm going to go do this. So that there was like a parallel. It wasn't me talking to them and saying thou shalt it was me showing them that i'm going to do this and that's the same with self-care one of the things that i've experienced is i've started meditating a lot more in the past four or five years and it changes who i show up as so if i'm frazzled and snappy it's not very much fun and if i go meditate for even 10 minutes it settles you know i mean not every time but most times I come back into the kitchen or the experience a bit, a bit settled. It's so much so now that if I'm a little off, 
sometimes my kids will say, have you meditated today? <laughs> I'm like, uh, no. no. Like, would you like to go and meditate? And I'm like, sure, I would. And then I actually said to them a bit later, a different situation. I said, the fact that I go and meditate for 20 or 30 minutes in the middle of the afternoon, sometimes on a, on a Saturday, I said, do you think that that's like weak or strange? And they said, no, we really wish more people would do that <laughs> because then they'd kind of, and it's really about self-responsibility. I'm taking care of my own needs such that it's not landing on you as, you know, clean up your room. I'm like, okay, what I really want to do is take a rest or clean up my own room. So I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a lot more about modeling than it is about saying what other people need to do. So that's the other thing is now that I've written this book about self-care, I'm like, oh, so this morning I got up and I did Qigong nice. to do self-care because I thought, well, I can't go on. A, I can't go and chat about it without doing it. So. <laughs> without actually taking care of myself and exactly. something I really enjoy to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just want people to understand like you, you are a, or were, still are a single mother, mm -hmm. right? At, from the, you know, almost the very beginning of your relationship with your children, you were raising them on your own. That's right. Yeah. And so that's why this shift when, and when my son was 10 was such a big deal because mm -hmm. I hadn't been taking care of myself. It had been quite bleak and I was just getting through, you know, well, that's that's not much fun to be around. I mean, I don't know if you have people in your life like that. And they're just what's, powering through. It's like, yeah. And literally, what's the price we pay for that? In my experience, it I, I was paying the price in, in affection and connection with my kids. So that's why when that moment happened, when he said, oh, you listened to me, it's like, ooh, it would be good for me to check in with myself as to how I'm showing up. Because part of me taking care of myself is me showing up as a parent that I want to, or hope to, or aspire. I, I didn't want to look back and say, oh, I was a tyrant the whole time. Like, oh. <laughs> I think that's your opening words in your uh, the first chapter. I it just is. used to be gentle. I was quite the spectacular tyrant, not usually with others, although my children may disagree here, but definitely with myself. I don't think yeah. there's a woman out there, uh, maybe even a man or a woman out there that can't identify with that. Yeah. Well, and that's why I named the book Gentle With You, because what if, what if, you know, so for instance, you, Janet, you have a, a busy day, a busy week. And, and what if you just put a little bit of gentle in your week? What if there was just one thing where you thought, well, I'm just going to gear down for a minute and I'm just going to do something really nice and nurturing for myself. And the thing that I like about self-care is everybody's gentle is different. Mm -hmm. Some gentle is going to the nail salon. Some gentle is going for a walk in nature. And I'm genuinely always curious as to what people choose for themselves because it's as different as we are. Yeah. Well, I can share with you what one of the biggest things that I did in my, in my life um, that I would consider now looking back at it was gentle with me is I took control of my schedule. And I know when you say take control, that sounds, you know, more like more uh, work. But what I, I did was really look at um, what was the value of going from sunup until sundown every day. And 
in the end, I looked at it and went, well, I can do that for a certain number of days, maybe even weeks or months. But in the end, uh, I started raveling, unraveling, coming apart at the seams, as it were, forgetting things or um, feeling sort of irritated that I had to be on air this morning or I had to go, you know, do 10 readings tomorrow and prepare for them all today. And so I really took control of my schedule and decided, well, what days do I want to be on air? What days do I want to be doing readings, et cetera? And such a small little thing. And then switching from me being the one involved in the scheduling, because then my little bleeding heart gets involved. And so then I'll just override all of my my things that I said I wouldn't do uh, because of someone's someone else's needs and went to a calendar uh, an automatic scheduler so somebody could go in and look at the schedule the openings and and make their choices i can tell you that you know that set me up for being able to handle some of the more stressful things that happened to me uh over the last year or two and saved me from you know really being overworked overtired etc and in the space that i left for myself those are the times that I get to do the things I love to do. So sometimes I'm, you know, trying out new recipes. Sometimes I'm doing some artwork. Sometimes I'm walking. Uh, well, I walk almost every day, but sometimes, you know, it's just going out in nature, like you said. So those are some of the things that I do. And then when I do have a day following that, where it's running from the top to the bottom, I can bet I'm in a better frame of mind to handle it. That's exactly, this is exactly what I talk about is, getting present to your calendar, um, you know, and I think, uh, so I'll just say that taking control, to me, what I heard you say is, I'm creating with intention. Okay. So you are intentionally looking at your calendar and saying yes and no to what actually works for you. And to schedule in specific time, I used to think, oh, well, because my sister-in-law, bless her heart, she has me time Monday nights. And I was like, do you really need to name it? And then I was like, oh, yeah, you really do. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you need to send out an all points bulletin. Sometimes you need to put your phone on silent to create space just for you during that time. And yeah. I, I, I also heard when you were saying like, oh, this is an hour or two for me or this is an afternoon for me. What I've experienced is I don't necessarily even want to have a thing. I just want to have a time frame. Mm. So for instance, and this is a little challenge that I, that I share often when I do these little talks. And that is, uh, when was the last time you had the day of Janet? Hmm. So for instance, I'm having the day of Heather on Saturday and I haven't had one in a while because actually when you were saying like the top to bottom days, yeah, sometimes you get in the groove and you're like, I'm actually, I'm just nailing it here. I'm just, I'm in the groove. I, I could do these top to bottom days and it got to right before the holidays this past just in, a month ago. And I was like, no, I don't really need a break. And then I had four days of completely unscheduled. I slept in every day. I don't generally sleep in at all. I slept until 10, 1030 in the morning. Wow. So sometimes you're, you're really doing well. You're really coping. You're really delivering. But if you create that space to relax, it's amazing how much your body, actually somatic experience, like sometimes your body is like doing little like, hey, it would be great to 
be great to sleep in sometime. Like it'd be great to, you know, not have a schedule. And so um, I'm very interested to know when I talk to people about creating like the day of Harriet or the day of Kim or the day of Sarah or the day of Melanie, sometimes they don't even know what I'm talking about. Sometimes they immediately say, no, no chance, no chance for a day just for me because people are at different stages in this, in this parenting realm. Some people are just thinking about becoming parents. Some people have newborns. Some people are driving to soccer practice and a birthday party at the same time. Like, you know, people are at different points. I call it like different parts of the, the race. But when I checked in with people before publishing, I checked in with, with moms and parents of all stages. And they all said, no, sometimes you just need even an hour for yourself. Even just waiting in the car, you pull up in your home, and you just wait in the car for an extra 10 minutes and just listen to a song on the radio you super love or return a text that you've been thinking about all day and just mm. create a little bit of space. And it doesn't, it doesn't cut off when your kids grow up and move out either. As the parent of uh, grown children, it, it doesn't stop, right? You still, mother is always there. It, it's just always there. And they'll text me and they'll say, mom, I have this great idea. Should I take action on this? Or mom, something, something happened. And it, it just doesn't turn off, right? So you still end up on. And a lot of times uh, it can take you back into old habits about, you know, this might've been my Janet day, but I looked at my phone and it was something that one of my kids needed and it pulled me into them. Yeah, those people who are closest to us, that's the biggest challenge. So that's actually some of the coaching that I do is creating creating boundaries creating accountability for putting it in the calendar because it's it's i'm really reliable for other people but i'm not <laughs> always 100 percent reliable for myself because right. if i get a call from my mom or my sons i generally will take it because they're very important to me and that's just how it goes so yeah um and then i also you know, what, what is fascinating to me is the number of people who say, oh, I heard you wrote a book. And they, I say, yeah. They say, what's it about? And I say, well, it's about connecting self-care and parenting. And some people actually say to me, well, my kids are over 18, so I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I so then I say, they live on. wow, that's great. So you don't need to read any, you know, I don't know if it's that they think I'm, want to tell them what to do. I'm unsure, but that is not my experience. I've actually had conversations with my sons because, you know, they're 18 and 21 now and they don't need me to remind them about vegetables. Well, maybe, but they don't need to remind about flossing or all the things that as a mom, you know, it was just part of what you said to them. Yeah. And I've actually said to one of my sons recently, maybe last week, he said, mom, I've got it. It was to do with his health. And I said, you know, are you taking care? Are you doing that? And he said, I've got it. I, I'm doing that. I'm taking care of it. And I said, you know what I'm present to? I said this to him. I'm trying to trust that you've got it for you because it's been my job to have it for you in my mind for so long. And so I talked to them about how I'm trying to transition to 
a trusted a trusted person to text when there's a challenge as opposed to someone who's going to come in and you know lay down the law or whatever the case like right that's Mother not you really my role you. anymore yeah i don't want to do that yeah I, I want them to continue to want to talk to me and part of that is me taking myself by the shoulders and saying all right heather that's that's their choice that's their consequence natural consequence yeah yeah exactly but i think the other thing that ties into that is that that isn't good for you either as a as a mother to you know, not um, release them to their own uh, decision-making and their own problem-solving. Absolutely. Do I love them enough to let them fail? Mm. Well, I asked my girlfriend, I don't know, maybe five years ago, her son was studying for a test, but not enough for her. <laughs> she was like, she needs to study more. And I was like, okay, but won't it be his mark, his his grade, if if he doesn't study? Right. I said, so when will be the time that you will let him reap whatever natural consequences? And she wasn't really very sure about that. And that's okay. But that's the kind of thing where I've met lots of moms where I say, how are things? And they tell me all the things about their kids. I'm like, okay, cool. It's cool to know that your kids are in dance and they went to a tournament and they did this and that. What are what's up with you? And I think sometimes moms get and parents sometimes get lost where they just start living through their kids. And mm. and I will share that as a single mom, I was often half time and I had all this time to develop me over the course of the last 10, 12 years. And still, still, it's an adjustment because still I need to consciously create for myself, not just, you know, what do I call it? Um, almost like a resume that has my kids accomplishments on it for me like I don't want to do that I'm super proud of them but I don't want to take credit for their stuff right Ooh, yeah so you know we went to a volleyball tournament yes I drove you you won the championship when someone asks me what's going on with me I don't say that <laughs> Unless, of course, you've won the volleyball tournament <laughs> because you were playing. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't there. I mean, I was yeah. super excited and happy for him. But no, that wasn't me. So Yeah. Just... You also said something else in your book. Sorry to interrupt there yeah. uh, about how we are often we have these pat answers that that come out of our mouths when people ask us how we're doing. Like, how are you? Fine. Good. Hanging in there. Um, that we have somehow some kind of stigma against really talking about what's our true feelings. Well, I actually had an experience where a friend of mine um, in the area, she and I connected a couple of years ago and she bought the book and she was reading through it. And she was actually doing the, I do this sometimes too, where I just, I just flip open to a page like, oh, I must need to read this page right now. And yeah. And so then we connected about two weeks ago and she said, you know, the phrase gentle with you has really been going through my head during my days these days. And I said, oh, that's great. And so she was dealing with a lot of challenges. And then she said, and then I was saying, Gent be gentle with you, be gentle with yourself. And she wanted to pivot really fast and be fine. Oh. And so when she was sharing with me, she was talking about this. And then she was on and running to I'm going to do this in the new year and this in the new year and this in the new year. And I said, just a sec, how are you? 
And because I, I said to her, you shifted real quick to like the challenge, be gentle, and then you were on to the next thing. And just taking a moment is, is not really regular these days. I don't know. In some ways, I feel like we've geared down because of the weird circumstances of the world. And in other ways, those pat answers still show up. Oh, no, Janet, I'm fine. I'm, I'm just fine. Thank you. Yeah. I'll get through it. Oh, well, you know, what? what's the, there's so many pat answers. And, and sometimes, you know, I, I worked in an office for about five years. It was a, it was a commercial real estate. And so there were lots of different people, you know, busy was a badge of honor. I'm super busy. Okay, great. You're super busy. And yep. So I got to the stage where I would just say good morning because I didn't want to say good morning. How are you? Because generally I got the pat answer or if they actually responded and I actually didn't have time because I had to go into a meeting or something, I, I just felt like that was something I didn't want to do. I didn't want to say, how are you really? And not have the time and space to listen. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and I think culturally, you know, the, the let's talk about mental health day is happening here in Canada this weekend, I think. So it's, it's Bell, one of the phone providers, let's talk. And it's, let's talk about mental health. And I don't, I always get a bit of a bee in my bonnet about it because I don't think, I think we're sh shifting, but I still don't think that many people want to talk about how you're really doing. Well, I think there's some, a level of vulnerability in that. Right. If you have this persona of you know, that you've built yourself up to being resilient and I can take care of anything and uh, get myself back up, bootstrap myself, you know, oh, keep yes. going for the kids, then to admit that that might be something that's about to crash and burn all around you can be very difficult. And I think well, you talk about it as authenticity. Yeah, authenticity. So and there's a balance. So, mm -hmm. you know, if, if the lady at the grocery checkout asks me how I'm doing, I'm not going to unload on her. <laughs> That's not socially. But if a really good friend says, how are things? Sometimes I'll even say, well, how much time have you got? Because maybe I'm dealing with a big challenge. And what I've experienced is that the more I move towards being authentically myself, the more connection I have in my world. So, and that's what I wanted to create with my kids. So I wanted to create authentic connection with them such that even if they're far away, I'm still going to get a text with a funny little meme in it, mm -hmm. or I'm still going to feel that connection with them. And I actually, a few years ago, I think right around this time, uh, there was a, a basketball player that was killed in a helicopter accident. So his name was Kobe Bryant. Right. And it really shook the sports world. I mean, people were, and sadly he was with his, his daughter um, at the time. And uh, it was a Sunday afternoon when the news hit and I was doing some, you know, little work on my computer. And I got a phone call that I missed from my son who was at work. And I don't know about you, but the younger generation doesn't phone very often. Right. They text something's up when they do. Yeah. So I was like, so I assumed it was a butt dial and instantly. And then I I finished my my moment where I had to be attending and I texted him and said, Did you call me? And he said, Yes. And I said, Well, I'm available. Did you want to call back? And he phoned back without even texting. 
was like, what is up? And he said, did you hear the news? And I said, no, or no, I did. I said, I said, um, yes, your brother told me that there was this, this sad experience and that's really, and it is, it's really sad. It was a, a bit of a shock and it was sad. Anyway, he said, did you know that his 13 year old daughter was with him? And I said, oh no, I didn't know that part. And he said, well, I just want you to know how much I love you. And I was like, oh, because he got that connection mattered to him and enough to phone me from work to say, mom, I'm, I'm glad you're okay. And I was like, well, this is the kind of relationship I want with my kids. You I want to them well. Oh, well. And so there's that funny thing. I raised them well, and that's who they are. That's who they're becoming. So mm -hmm. in some ways I'm proud. And in other ways, I just get to reap these benefits. I fell and hurt myself on the stairs back in April and it was quite awful. And I hurt my knee and all these things, but what the blessing was in that was both of my sons showed up for me. They both were home and they were so kind and gentle and caring. It was like, Oh, gentle. They were both gentle. Nice. Just what you needed in that moment. Yeah. Just what I'm hoping to cultivate in my life. Right. For yourself, but also then extending that outward to others. And uh, I, I want you to speak to uh, people out there that might think that being gentle with you is being self-serving or uh, selfish even. Yeah. So I was, I'm, I'm taking a communications course right now and we were having this conversation about empathy and how we show up as empathetic or not empathetic or, you know, degrees. It's a, it's a scale, right? And so I was partnered with this person in the small group sharing and we were chatting and I said, well, what's your experience of empathy? And he said, well, I am very empathetic when stuff just happens to people, but if stuff happens to people where they did something to basically cause it, I'm not very empathetic. Mm. And what I notice, and so I, I asked him, I said, well, if you did something where you probably should have known better, and it really was a bad outcome. Would you still want empathy? And he said, oh yeah, I really would. I would want empathy. Even if, even if it was, you know, your own damn fault or whatever people say like, oh, well, you should have known or those are not helpful moments. And so to consider that if something happened to you, Janet, I would give you empathy because, because that's who I am. That's who I want to be. That's how I want to show caring. The real question is, can I show empathy to myself when I struggle, when I make a mistake, even if nobody else knows about it, how am I with me in that moment? And what I've discovered is I used to be really rough with myself and it made me kind of sad and it didn't really make me a better person. You know, there was that like, you should just power through. No, it, it didn't help me. No, sometimes you have to pull up your bootstraps and clean the kitchen or whatever you have to do. But there are times when being gentle with yourself for a moment is not self-indulgent. It's just kindness. It's just, it's what you would give a good friend. If a good friend called and said, this happened, you would say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry that happened. You did the best you could at the time with the information you had. So this idea of it's being indulgent, I think it just works I think it just moves towards workability. 
if I beat myself up and I'm destroyed for the whole day, well, I lose a whole day. If I'm gentle with myself or give myself kindness or empathy, and then I actually can find that resilience or, you know, a few, a few weeks ago I had something happen and I was quite aware of the fact that I needed to have a little cry. It's not because I'm a weak person. It's because it was all bottled up and until I had the little cry, I was kind of useless. I felt like a robot. Mm -hmm. And I ended up having the little cry in my garage on when I parked my car. And then I was like, okay, now I can actually go on with my day a little bit. <laughs> now I feel better. Yeah. I was a little bit gentle with myself and just let it be. Yeah. That's good. You know, there are some people out there, uh, Ursula, one of, them, of my morning listeners, she um, asked if you would share any comments on parenting, parenting an adult child that has special needs. Yes. Well, that is something that I will completely be honest with and acknowledge I don't have any particular hands-on experience with. And when considering, you know, the theme of what I talk about, the idea of offering gentleness to yourself as you are having whatever unique challenge, I think will benefit everyone in the situation. Um, I'd be more interested, thank you, Ursula, for your question. I'd be more interested to know what she's experienced as what's worked for her. Because my what I've learned is when I do group sessions or webinars about this, is it's the intersharing among the participants that is often the most nurturing uh, the most beneficial. What I notice is that I just create the space for the conversation to start. It's not that I have all the answers, unfortunately. And I would say that for parents of, of children that have special needs and as they're growing up, that it might become very difficult for the parent to be gentle with themselves. And um, th those struggles seem like they might be something that's going to carry with you throughout your whole entire, you know, life as a parent. Um, and maybe even bring up the fact that it's much more, it's more important to take care of yourself in those situations so that you can be there for your child when they have that special need. That's, that's a beautiful point. It, it's almost like the ante goes up mm. in terms of if, if you will be caring for that child for, most of your life and looking to create systems that will care for them when you're gone. That is another level of self-care that perhaps would be required. And actually mm -hmm. there's an organization in my city, it's called Adaptabilities and it's about creating programming for families that have special needs children to create supports for the parents and programs for the kids as they grow. Mm -hmm. And that is, well, the people that I've connected with. And I, I do know the director and the founder of the organization. And there, there's, there's no stopping of the growth of that need. That need will only grow because more children uh, are living with challenges and disabilities. And that is the special needs, I, I guess, that in my experience with talking with Michelle, who's the founder, is that mm -hmm. she was a teacher and she responded by creating this organization because she dealt with parents, she connected with parents who expressed the need. And so she actually just responded to it. 
Yeah. Uh, I just posted up a comment. I don't know if you can see the comments from the the, the group out there this morning, but uh, Ursula said that, yes, Heather, who will help when I am gone is a big fear. Yeah. Especially if if the child, if your if your grown child is healthy and well physically, then you know they could live a, they could live a very long life. And setting those things in place is a is something that I haven't had to consider. And so that's the kind of thing where um, being gentle to not necessarily know, but to seek out those resources and to have the support to go and do that. Have have the have the environment created such that you can go and find what you need. Yeah. And sometimes you have more energy for that than others. When my son was having his major challenges, I ended up on the phone a lot. And sometimes you don't have much energy to be on the phone a lot searching for things when, when stuff is happening. So. so even more time to make sure that you have the energy by taking care of one, of yourself. Yeah, well, and one of the things about this, this mental health awareness is seeking resources and, and dropping, having us consider dropping the judgment around needing assistance. You know, I'm not an expert in every area. I am an advocate for my child. So I would contact different organizations, explain the situation and ask for assistance. And that is, I was very comfortable doing that. What was a big challenge was for me earlier last year in May and June, my son was telling me, you know, I mean, the pandemic has ex- affected him in significant, both of them, all people in significant ways. Mm-hmm. And he was really dealing with a lot of sadness. And what I recognized is that he needed to deal with his sadness. And it was good that he shared that with me. But then I watched that him sharing with me about his sadness was something I could barely be with. So then I chose to begin counseling so that I could build myself such that when he was having his challenges or experiences, because I don't want to have the expectation that my son be fine for me, I needed to build myself. And that that counseling experience is me actually living what I say. So being authentic. Authentically, I was really struggling with the fact that my son was super sad. He was very, he was struggling. And if he wants help, we'll arrange for that. But he didn't want help at that time, but I did. So, so I would say that to, to anybody listening, that if you need assistance in order to find the gentle for yourself or, or create something that's going to be more workable, um, I would really hope that just like you would advocate for a good friend to get what they need, that you would consider advocating for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think too, when, you know, a lot of times there's, I, I don't know, like, is there a stigma around it? Or is it the messaging we get from the outer world that uh, about it being weak to ask for help? I mean, that's another big lesson we're learning on the planet now, astrologically even, is oh, about, yes. you know, the interdependent nature of the world and not the independent or the codependent uh, nature of the world. Yeah, that is something I was chatting with a friend uh, in the summer and we were talking about the, when you need help. So if you needed help, Janet, I'd be 100% comfortable. Oh, I can help. How can I help? Let's, let's brainstorm things. 
when I need to ask for help, I think personally, I think that it challenges my identity of I'm a strong, independent woman and I'll do it. I'll do very well. Thank you very much. Like that's my default is I'm fine and I'll take care of it. I can do and, this. Oh yeah. I mean, my track record is I've done it so I can do it for sure. The, the real challenge in the summer when I was chatting with this friend was what if we actually started asking for help when we needed it? and being open to receiving contribution from those who actually love and care about us. Mm. So that is, so actually I have a little sticky up on my office wall that says, receiving support and abundance, interdependence as opposed to independence. There's lots of research and lots of things coming up right now that says extreme independence is a trauma response. If you are mm. intensely independent, never ask for help, it's been glorified in our society, but it's not actually healthy. Everybody needs contribution sometimes. If you're human, I sadly am human. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just the way it is. I can share to a friend. I'm like, oh, you're just human. It's okay. And then when I'm struggling, I'm like, oh, right, I'm human. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and there's also the part that we, we're so willing to give to others in that situation. It's the receiving it or giving it to ourselves. That seems to be the problem. So, so here's the thing that I notice is that when I'm struggling, if I have the guts to ask somebody for support, what I'm noticing is sometimes they'll offer support that they think is great. That's not really good for me or not what I want. Oh. So that's great. So, oh, I really need support. And they like bake me a batch of cookies. Like that is beautiful. I'm not discounting their offering. The reason that I'm excited about self-care is if I stop and think for a moment, pause, get present, what do I actually need? I'm actually the only one who knows exactly what I need. Nobody else knows. I mean, I can try and articulate it to my partner or my family, but not necessarily will they hit the mark. If I choose to nurture myself, which I agree is a big step, then I'm so much more likely to hit the mark and, and feel nurtured, feel seen, heard. That's, it's huge to, to even contemplate that. I, I'm going to throw out to the audience, the, the people that are out there listening, what kind of struggles do you have with self-care and or what do you do that constitutes self-care? Because there, you know, as you said, I think back in the in the beginning of the conversation, Heather, there are any number of ways that we can choose to self-care and it might be different for everybody. There's no one set of rules that says meditation is it, yoga is it, uh, nature is it. Uh, so yeah, so let us know. Yeah, and, and there was one woman I chatted with, we were talking about self-care and she said, well, everybody's telling me I need to really care for myself. And she said, so today I went for a walk, I watched a movie, and then I had a bath, but I don't feel better yet. I was like, <laughs> well, you know, it's been probably 10 years of you and maybe not taking care of yourself so much. So not that it's going to take 10 years to get back, but it's not going to be done in four hours. So it's it's a little bit of that ongoing, consistent commitment to yourself that can reap the yeah. rewards too. So. Um values that was uh, uh one of the chapters in your book 
And of course, I keyed into that right away because that's everything that's the conversation now astrologically. Tell us about values. Well, it's an interesting thing because sometimes it doesn't change. Sometimes this is always my value throughout my life. Other times things change and you value different things at different points of my well, I've had seasons of caring more about this and then I shift to something something a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely noticed that the main reason um, that I get super irritated or angry these days is if I stop and I look, I've violated one of my values in how I've responded or what I've done. And so that usually, it's usually that misalignment that causes me to be very, very upset or disgruntled or unsettled. And so I actually just did an an activity associated with this course I'm taking. And it was write down all the things you do in a day. Um, All the things you do. Okay, well, I do this, I do this. I, I, I coach, I, I work on projects for some people. I connect with family. I, you know, I call my mom who's in her seventies and, you know, I just, I just give an hour. I just give space of whatever she might like to share with me. And sometimes I share things with her, but mostly I can just say, oh, that's anyway, you go through this, this thing. And I, then the assessment was how many of these things that you do on a somewhat daily basis are aligned with your values. And I don't know about you, but as soon as they said, list all the things you do in a day, I was like, oh, this is just going to be a guilt factor. Like, oh, I don't do this and I don't do that. But really, what I was happy to note is, you know, 75 to 85% of the time, I'm very aligned with my values. Woo-hoo. And that was a happy surprise. That's not always in my life. Mm-hmm. But when I took stock last week, that was the interesting thing. So the more present you are to your values is a start. It's awesome to have a buddy who will presence you to what you truly value in your moments of, you know, not feeling stellar. That's Mm -hmm. what I've experienced. So my commitment this year is that I will be, I'm valuing confidence, responsibility, trust, and playfulness. Those are the four words that I'm taking into 2022. Oh, but the overarching one is receptivity. Do I have the capacity to receive contribution from other people. That's an interesting one to, you know, right. well, and can I be contributed to? Do I have the capacity to allow others to contribute to me? That's an interesting one to consider. But the whole thing of having the values and then sharing them with someone allows there to be that, that a bit of accountability buddy system where, you know, my really good friend can say, well, remember playfulness. I think, oh, right. I'm being super serious about everything. And I'd just like to lighten up for a minute because <laughs> I like the idea of there being, you know, and it's funny when I talk to anyone about self-care, some people are receptive, some people are less receptive, but, but to me, it just makes so much sense. And if people don't get it, I'm sort of like, well, okay, yeah, that's, that's a choice. I'll say, so I can see that sunny smiles, sunshine, says that meditation is main self-care and hiking. Mm-hmm. Spa is a bonus. I agree. It doesn't just happen at a spa. <laughs> right. right. But a spa is nice. <laughs> spa is nice. Uh, is. Let's, let's see what Asa said. Meditation and prayer, writing and turning off when I feel I have to disconnect. Yeah. That's- and what I'd be curious to know from Asa is when you do that, 
how do you experience yourself on the other side of that nurturing? Because sometimes we need to remember like, oh, and then I can sleep really well. Or like there, sometimes there needs to be a hook to move you forward to that. It's good to remember it, but it's also nice to bask in what you create. Mm. Uh, Terry says, I care for others more than myself, but I've started acupuncture once a week and massage once a month, trying to meditate every morning, practicing on saying everything is not from my monkeys. I love this session. <laughs> I use that often, Terry. Not my monkeys, not my circus. <laughs> not my circus, not my monkeys, not playing oh. here, not taking this on. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that was, in our society, we've been educated to be really overly responsible about a lot of stuff. And so it's not that I don't want to care for my kids or I don't want to care for people in my life. I, I'm a caring, loving person and I want to be on that list of people who receive my caring and loving is me because I'm, well, it's so funny because then, then we get into sort of cheesy mantras or uncomfortable, like I'm worth it. Am I worth it? Are you worth it? Of course you're worth it. You deserve to be gentle with yourself. You deserve a moment. You deserve a nice long shower with Chopin playing. Like beautiful. This is why I love these sessions. I hope I get to go back and read some of the comments because I'm only seeing the ones you're posting, but I get so many ideas when I have sessions like this. <laughs> what people I love do. It. Yeah. Um, I think there's something else that we always seem to forget is that, you know, you want to be able to be there for the people in your life for your entire life. And if you're constantly not refilling your own cup, then you don't have the ability to have that sustainable uh, connection to people. At some point, something's going to happen. Okay. So I'm going to tell you that at the beginning of all of this, the, publisher was talking to me about the cover of my book and he said I'd like to I think we should look at putting an oxygen mask on the front of the book because of the whole you're on the airplane you put your own mask on first everybody knows this in their brain but they don't uh -huh. necessarily do it and I have to say that after all the masking that's gone on the last two years I was like there's not going to be a mask on the front of my book <laughs> we're not having a mask no <laughs> no thank you so um that was but that is so true. It, if you don't take care of yourself, you would not be around. And that is, that's actually one of the other things that when that 10 months was over and I was thinking like, oh, I get to, I basically got a bill of health after 10 months of various tests. And that I was talking with someone recently and she said, um, she said she had just gotten let go from her work. And she was so glad that she had gotten a hold of my book because it was really nurturing her and helping her cope with that loss and what she needed to do for herself. And she and I met because she's a good friend and we chatted on Zoom and I was really intense with her. And afterward, I was like, why was I being so intense with her? And after I looked, I really value self-care because how it influences health. And I got present to how concerned I was for her and her health based on what she'd just gone through. And that w went back to what I dealt with as a challenge. So mm. what you say is if you, you know, as an act of caring for others, caring for yourself should be on the list. If you truly care about those in your life, your, your kids and other people you love, caring for yourself is an investment that they will thank you for. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you had asked Asa to share how she felt on the other side of the work that, or of the self-care. And she says she feels relaxed enough to dream, imagine, and to be, tr hear her true self or, and hear by my true self. Yeah, hear her true self. Yeah. So. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. I love, I love finding out what becomes available to people on the other side of, of caring for themselves. Yeah, and uh, Sunny Smiles says, first thing I noticed, Heather's pause prior to responding. Society has us so uncomfortable with pause and truly, we all might benefit from the pause in numerous ways. Oh, I, I actually ran a session for a community I'm involved with in mid-December and it was about Oh, shockingly, it was about self-care going into the holidays. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know about you, but there are there's a big list of things that I need to do going into the holidays, or at least there always has been. Anyway, during the session, it was an hour long. During the session, I think there were 20 people. And I said, so now what I'd like to do is actually be silent for a minute or two and let you consider what you would like to do to care for yourself. Well, a few people messaged me afterward and said, that was so courageous to have it be quiet on a webinar because it was silent. And it is kind of courageous in this world of, and then you fill in the space because nature hates a vacuum and the internet hates it even more, perhaps, I don't know. Uh, but the idea of pausing is, I feels like so simple, but also a bit rebellious. I love that. <laughs> Turn things upside down, right? Shake them up, put them out there in a different way. But beyond that, the pause is something I think that um, is so important now for all of us as we're, you know, astrologically, or at least in human design, we're beginning to see this shift in our um, emotional solar plexus to becoming more responsible in how we show up in the world where we have been very reactive and part of all of the the decision to respond versus react is to have some space or that pause or that quietness um, before you throw something out there or up, upend your life or someone else's life so i think that's really something that we're really starting to understand is an important concept pause one of the uh, clients I'm working with right now has a really busy business, very, very on the go, on the go. And she and I were talking about her calendar and building in time. And so she had an appointment at nine one morning. And I said, okay, so when would you normally leave for that appointment? She said, oh, I'd leave at 8.45 and arrive like just in time. And I said, well, what if you left at 8.30 and got there early? And she was like, what do you mean? I said, well, you got there early, you'd be settled, you'd be clear going into that meeting. And I asked her, like, what would be available? And it was so mystifying for her. And I said, well, that's what I call found time. When you build in an extra 10 minutes. And I'll share with you what my internal judgmental voice says. If I arrive early at a place, I'm like, oh, well, I've wasted time. I could have left later. I'm, I'm just sitting here waiting to go into the restaurant or whatever I'm doing. But the reality is that that time I've learned is nurturing for me. I settle, 
I calm myself. I get focused about what the meeting's for or, or I even just yeah. check email and respond to texts that I, you know, every, I don't know about you, but there's so many platforms where people communicate with me now. Like I have to check about four different places. Does anyone need anything? Because that's, you know, a lot of the work that I do is being responsive. Yeah. So. Wow. This has been such an awesome conversation, Heather. I would love to continue and go on. We're already at the one hour mark. Please oh. let everybody know the full name of your book and where they can get it. Well, the full name of my book, I actually, I actually have my author copy here. So Ooh, love it. this is my little book. It's called Gentle With You, Connecting Self-Care and Parenting. And the cover has uh, blooming and budding orchids because that's the name of my company, Green Orchid 8 Coaching. And you can find it at amazon.com, amazon.ca. And you just type in Gentle With You, Heather Scott, and it will come up. And the ebook version is available there, and the ebook version is available in many different uh, electronic booksellers. So I love that it. is how you get a hold of me and my little story. So, and it's a, it's a story that I think everybody can resonate with. And I just want to say thank you for writing the book, and uh, thank you yeah. for knowing that this is such a key topic for everybody. Uh, thank you all for listening today. Heather, uh, thank you so much for being here. Take care, everybody, and see you on Friday to talk about astrology and human design. Take care. Thank you. Bye now. Bye for now.